0: This podcast is brought to you by Adam Creek, the author of a new book entitled The Responsibility Ethic, 12 strategies exceptional people use to do the work and make success happen. Please listen to podcast number 756, where Greg and Adam discuss what the responsibility ethic is and how important it is for leaders to embrace the responsibility ethic so that they can transform their dreams into a vision and a plan. I hope you enjoy podcast number 756 with author Adam Creek about his new book, The Responsibility Ethic. If you want to learn more about the book, please visit K-R-E-E-K.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Boyce and the host of Inside Personal Growth. I want to thank all of my listeners, Willem. Uh, for coming in and listening to this podcast about a new book that Willem Van Esch has written called Mission Possible, a Reality. Willem is a fellow uh, USM, University of Santa Monica grad, with a degree in spiritual psychology. Um, He also has an extensive background in business Um, his father was in the shipping business. Wilhelm followed in his footsteps. Um, Willem is an extremely spiritual guy and has spent much of his life now after he's dedicated it to, um, that of coaching, not only business people, but anybody, people that are on a path of return, I'm going to call it. How's that, Willem? And And he is certainly got a wonderful message for us because, you know, the book is about as much about his life and his journey, but also about the journey that all of us take. Um, And the challenge is the question is, is when we wake up to actually make a difference in our lives and his mission possible is the fact that we can keep this positive mental attitude as we go through this? Uh, Willem, what is your uh, website that you would like to tell our listeners to contact you through? Um, is it just Willem Van Esch and that's w i l l e m v a n e s c h e dot com? Um, right. Would be where you can go to learn more about him. We're also going to put some links to um, some of the videos that are at YouTube that Willem has done, Um, one in particular that I think that everybody will love. Well, Willem, I think where I'd like to start this interview with you is really, it's probably to inform the listeners, because again, they don't have a background with spiritual psychology, and your journey as a successful businessman to really, to losing almost everything, you know, um, you've had health challenges, um, you've lost it all. You've come back again. Give them a little bit of a, of a sprinkling of really who you are, your background, your family background with your dad. um, And that will set the stage for the balance and remaining of my questions that I have for you.
1: Okay. Um, Thank you, uh, Greg. I will uh, say something about my life in a a nutshell. You know, I come from an entrepreneur's family and uh, I wanted to prove myself so badly. But I also come from a dysfunctional family. So (laughs) I left left for the United States in the 80s. I, I started a new life. That was the best move I ever made. I'm, I'm, I'm left for California, so I could be my own person. Um, I wanted to break the family patterns that were, are running in my family, and I am the, the pattern breaker. So what I did is I had to go far away and, uh, you know, start all over again from scratch. I did that. I went to Los Angeles, and I started a business, scratch, after I worked for a few big companies. And uh, that's all written in the book as well. And then I, uh, I also, uh, I got divorced and I thought, well, I can stay, hang out in bars and do nothing. Or I can do something substantial with my time, uh, with my, time, my leisure time in the weekends and during the evenings. And so I started to study spiritual psychology. And I wanted to, uh, to say that I had the courage to emigrate to another continent. Because I started to meditate in uh, Europe, and uh, that meditation uh, opened me up. That's why I came to the realization: if I don't do anything, I will be, I will not be a pattern breaker, but a pattern follower, and I would literally step into the footsteps of my father, my dad, by being, you know, because he was an alcoholic. So. I turned it all around by moving to the United States, to California, because I always dreamt to be in the United States but since I was a kid, and I had a photo of the Statue of Liberty in my. In my when I was an adolescent, adolescent I had cowboy boots; those were all symbols for me, for the freedom at that time. And so I stayed in the United States for many, many years. But then my international business, because I worked worldwide, took me to other places in the world. So uh you know but i've all, i always carry a warm heart to america uh, i always come come back and i i still work in the united states you know and uh
0: i also but i also work in,
1: in south america in europe and asia still you know and uh, does that answer the question i uh,
0: yes you did a great job of that Willem. and and you know you state in the introduction of your book that after many years, it dawned on you that the Holy Grail is within us. Um, How do you propose that people that are listening to this podcast now and listening to you find this Holy Grail? I mean, there's many different paths that we can take spiritually um, toward, it doesn't matter if it's Buddhism or we were talking about Paramahansa Yogananda before we came on here. There's many different paths people can take. But finding the Holy Grail is something that everybody can do. How do you advise people in finding that Holy Grail?
1: Okay, uh, find the silence inside of you. That's the only way. But when you do that, I, my humble experience, is that when you have a uh, when you have a teaching, such as uh, Yoga or Buddhism, it doesn't matter what the teaching is, but And if you have a technique to meditate and do yoga, for example, there's a proven technique, then you can find the silence inside. And only my humble experience, and I I think that Greg will confirm that for me, is that the only way to to find the rail inside of you is by going into the silence every day.
0: Yes, it certainly helps when you have a regular practice of meditation, even if it's, as Vellum, you know, maybe 10 to 15 minutes. But a time for contemplation, you know, is so important and an opportunity to take care of our bodies. And you're somebody who recognizes that and we're gonna have some questions around that. But meditation is one of those things that helps to get you focused, it helps your breathing. I think many of us forget just the breath is so important. Just before we came on this podcast, you and I together, Both took a really large breath in and out uh, to center ourselves. You know, in your chapter on how I made eight billion, you mentioned that we're all in the room. You were in the room with Dalai Lama. And he said that that we were all eight billion people. You go on to state that you see a pattern in people where they settle for less happiness, joy, and success only because they've unwanted and heavy obligations in order to survive, that we need to think beyond our nose, as your dad used to say. That was one of your father's sayings. How would you help our listeners think beyond their noses? And what is it that uh, the Dalai Lama actually means when we were all 8 billion people?
1: Yes, the, the thinking beyond your nose, as my father said, is my father encouraged me to study and to, to orient myself, what's, what's available in, in life. And in the, in the spiritual context, I'll say, you know, when we are our little of color and find uh, the best way to go into our silence, um, then we, we, we find the grail inside of us and also we find unity. Where the Dalai Lama meant uh, when we are all eight billion, he said seven, but you know we're almost at, at eight now. When we can embrace all eight mil, billion people with unconditional loving, you know, and we can aim for that, then then we see that we are not we are not uh, just an individual. We are not. That's what the Dalai Lama meant with that. And and of course, I love the Dalai Lama because he's such a great. Uh, example uh, for us, and I always weep almost when I see him you know when I see an interview when I was in the room with him, I was weeping, you know because I was so in awe of his love really that's that's what I wanted to share now
0: well, I've been to many of dalai lama's um events, and I will have to say that it is quite an experience to be in the room of Uh, like-minded people with consciousness it's the same thing with meditating with people um, like with SRF when I go in there you can feel the energy you know Mm -hmm. and you've you've had this um, oh you called it the heavy obligation I mean look being brought up by the father that you were brought up with being instilled with those values there was a gift that he gave to you And there was also a curse that he gave to you. Um, What did you do to uh, take the gift and release the curse? Because everybody out there walking has had people that have had that effect on them, whether it's their parents, an employer, the boss, um, somebody has had both this blessing and curse uh, reality.
1: Yes, I. well I. well I, I. My father gave me a good work ethic and a good business ethic. That uh, you know, your word is your bond. Those things. I. My word is my bond. Those things are are great values, and I think I have a great working ethic. You know, but I changed that to my own uh, needs, where uh, I, I cannot overstretch it. You know, some people they work. Uh, you know, 100 hours a week, whatever they do, and uh, they get overwhelmed with that, and then they deteriorate their health and quality of life, you know, all levels, and, and of course, uh, that's how, that's how it cannot be, my, my, and and I also learned to do what, what I love, it sounds like a cliche, but uh, it is true, the cliche is true that uh, if we can do more of what we, what we love, even when we have to raise a family, many obligations. But then again, I go back to the silence, the, uh, the meditation and the inner silence, because that will literally give us that awareness and, and we have spontaneous, uh, we have a spontaneous, you know, by lack of better wording, spontaneous action toward that, you know, what is better for. The highest good, because if we do something that we don't like, then yeah, it's we we, we need to change something, and it can be step by step.
0: Yeah, it's like you said: be bold and be loved. That's at your website on your first page. Yeah, you know, and you had a metaphysical teacher by the name of Doctor Manley Hall. Yes, and. He had a a big impact on you. We all have people that have these impacts on us. Um, What personal insights and learnings did you garner from your relationship with Dr. Hall? And what are the things that Dr. Hall taught you back then that you still carry in the essence of your DNA and in your soul as you're out teaching others today through your coaching practice and just being a really, really good, loving, and compassionate soul in the world.
1: Thank you. Uh, Dr. Manley Hall is the founder of the Philosophical Research Society in Los Angeles. He had passed away many years ago. But every Sunday, I would see, listen to him. I would go to, to see him, and we would uh, receive discourses. And the thing is what Dr. Manley Hall did with the Philosophical Research Society, he would, he would seek and study all Sources of wisdom that have been have ever been present until now, and uh, what he did is he, he what what he picked out what, what was best for him, and that's what I learned. So I learned if I read uh, books, you know, famous books like the Holy Scriptures, the Bhagavad Gita, the Bible, it doesn't matter which book, the Torah, uh, the Quran, you know, any any book, and the Vedas from India, which I love most then um, you, 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 you see it with your own eyes, so it's a subjective experience. There, there I find inspiration. And, and that's compi- uh, when I pair that with my meditation technique, I can absorb it. Because from the silence, I can intuitively absorb the wisdom, only with the silence. Because if I would read it purely intellectually, then it will remain an intellectual concept. And then that's not practical. For me, so what I—that's what I do. So I—I I, I absorb uh, intellectual knowledge uh, with uh, meditation. You know, intellectual to absorb ne- intellectual knowledge in Sanskrit is a form of yoga as well, and it's—I uh, uh, think it's called Jnana Yoga, and the meditation is Raja Yoga, and then you have Hatha Yoga. You know, the physical uh, mo- movements. Uh, uh, postures and they'll all lead to unity and i also wrote that in my book what the whole yoga system is uh, consisting of uh, in uh, I, I did it rather briefly but that's how i do it so if i if i want to absorb when i want to transform myself i will combine it with the inner silence and then also use my intellect and, and get inspired and that will also be like uh, metaphysically uh, transformed into uh in a wisdom.
0: Yeah, it's a wonderful way to approach uh, learning, especially deep spiritual practices. And I think uh, uh, George Leonard, uh, who used to be, he was on this show, and I was had the opportunity to meet him. Um, and he was one of the founders of Echelon. And he's also a, a founder of a thing called uh, Integrative Transformative Practice. And I think when you blend the practices together, what you find is there's an ability to assimilate this at a cellular level, right? In other words, you can take it in. And I think that's what you're talking about here is this ability to take it into the essence of your being into your soul. You know, and from an early age, you were affected by all the suffering you saw on earth. Uh, You were a very sensitive young man And I'd like for you to tell your story about the Soviet Union, because you used to travel from Los Angeles to the Soviet Union. And (laughs) you had some contracts over there. And you saw this contrast between the free world and a world that was not so free. And when you were traveling, uh, you, it was interesting how you put this. Uh, You got this concept to take Aluminum foil on your solar plexus to avoid absorbing the negative energies from the people in the areas where the consciousness was very restricted. And I'd like for you to comment on that because, you know, I found it interesting. But also I found that, you know, it. you go to different areas in the world and the consciousness of the beings in those places, you can actually feel the essence of it if you're in tune. Um, if you're not in tune, you probably don't, but mm-hmm. you don't even have to go that far. You can just go across the United States and go to a different city yes. and you'll actually feel the consciousness of that particular area. Um, if you would speak about those trips you used to make and how your, your interplay between uh, having to deal with these two worlds, Los Angeles, which has got a pretty elevated consciousness to moving to someplace like Moscow.
1: Yeah, I I was commuting every month to Moscow and Siberia and this was just after Perestroika, you know, when the Soviet Union fell. So I wrote in my book, you know, they were still uh, tearing down the Lenin uh, statues and, uh, you know, the the country was in shock and uh, they still didn't get over it, I think. And uh, a lot of people, because of this dictatorship, you know, from 1917 until, I think it was 1989, and so just briefly after that, I would go there every month and we had some contracts to uh, restore the oil field and, you know, because they were polluting the earth and uh, we would stop that and because of their negligence of uh, maintenance. So I would go there and you could feel that you were, you were, you know, your life was only worth $10 when I mean, you were in the streets of Moscow or, or Siberia. It was very dangerous. I had a life, I had a safe, how do you call it, a bodyguard all written in the book with all the details but I would be so upset and then I would go back to California and my teachers would say okay Willem just do improvise a little bit just put aluminum foil on your solar plexus because in, on the solar plexus it's where everything comes in so now I have a better way to, to protect myself every day but it, it works you know, it does work So, uh, <laughs> so well it was
0: in, it's an interesting part of your book and I think that you know, I think to reflect, um, it is a way to keep from those energies being assimilated. Um, you're actually trying to find a way to shield them because uh, that's what you are doing. And, yeah. I, and I will uh, note to my listeners, this part of the book here is is particularly interesting. Now, you spoke earlier about your father and him being your beacon and your mentor. Um, he was successful in business. Uh, But then he had this drinking problem, so there were two sides to him. Um, What lessons did you learn from him, and what have you augmented to lead a more balanced and harmonious life, pretty much unlike the one that your father was leading?
1: Yes, my father wanted to become a surgeon. He wanted to become a medical doctor and a surgeon. And his father, that was just after World War II here in Europe, and and his father said, no, we are not... uh, Nobles, uh, we are not kind of family where you can go to university. You have to work in the port. You have to work for me. And you have to work during night shifts. And because we are not a wealthy family, uh, so you, uh, you cannot go to school uh, to study uh, medicine. So my father was really sad. And, and he, he, you know, in, uh, under those circumstances with poverty after World War II, uh, that's just how it was. So he followed his father, and he had to work for his father. Then he started his own business, but it was a suffering for him because the, my father was a brill, brilliant man. and But because he was so desperate and he was doing things that he really, deep in his heart, didn't like to do, he started drinking. And he overdid that and and became an alcoholic. and uh, And I saw him suffering his whole life. He only became 66 years old because of the drinking and I saw it suffering my whole life. And actually my father was my first coaching client, I always say, because I helped him a lot with his business uh, after, you know, when he was, uh, he lost the monopoly in business and I had to help him because he wasn't flexible because of his drinking. And so actually my father was my first coaching client and it was just out of my heart, out of my calling to do that for the love of my father. Because uh, you know he he passed away,
0: but I I loved him. Uh, I still love him. Uh, you know. Yeah, it was a, it's a really good part of the book because many people can relate, and I think that drinking um, in all cases has the ability to retard one's. When I say retard, it pushes it back. One's ability to expand their consciousness to move beyond. Because what happens is they get. Um, Uh, addicted uh, to this drug and Uh it has a huge impact on the growth of their consciousness and their ability. It also um, affects one's abilities in their, um, I'm going to say their self-esteem because many people that are drinking are drowning out something that hurts an awful lot. And so self-esteem is something that's hard to grow. Now, one thing that does grow self-esteem and I see this happen all the time with young kids and it happened with you as your love of music and you especially speak about Frank Zappa and <laughs> your painful journey through your divorce with your wife who your wife was a lead singer in in some bands uh, she was quite well known how has this love of music and there's a video up there at YouTube of you playing with all these guys and I'll have to say you look the happiest when you're playing those drums and banging on the drums. Uh, yeah. Allowed you to find your spiritual self. How have you found your spiritual self through your love of music?
1: Well, you know, I was I was, uh, I was a, I'm a late bloomer. I started playing music as a drummer and percussion player in my twenties, and uh, you know, my mid twenties, and and so I. But that was a dream come true, because I always thought. And when I was young, I want, I want to be a musician, and I became a musician. Um, and uh, it's a hobby, but I play in bands. And when I don't play, in, I'm, not, I'm looking for a band right now here in Europe, create a band, because I miss it. I don't have a band. So I was in Los Angeles in 2010 and 2009, and I had a band there. We had a band. And we were playing every week. And so, yeah, the, uh, you know, to realize my dreams, I can say that up till today, I have realized all my dreams and music is my big, one of my biggest fulfillment that I can do to play a listener. You know, I'm always involved with music and yeah, that's that's a big passion and, and music is powerful, you know, for our soul and for our heart. Of so yeah, it's a beautiful, to me, it's a it's a dream come true. uh, Well, it's
0: one of those things that I think helps you allow the vibration to come through and to cleanse the soul. And when you find the right music that you resonate with, uh, the cleansing of the soul is so very important. And and let's speak about that for a minute, because, you know, this music allows you to express um, your soul. And uh, you attended USM, as did I. We both got degrees in spiritual psychology. Uh-huh. And along the way, you got a blocked coronary artery. And this is when we're blocking certain things in our life, as you wrote in the book. Um, and it, it's not doesn't usually happen overnight. It's through a series of things that we've done over many, many years where we haven't opened up mm-hmm. um, what is. So what lessons did you learn about your life as a result of this blockage? what would you tell listeners out there that they can do from a heart center to actually continue to keep the flow moving um, and not create these blockages mentally, physically, emotionally, because you talk about this in the book, the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual fitness. Well, yes. one of those is this emotional fitness, that emotion, that unemotional ability actually helps to block those arteries
1: yes yes i i must say that what i discovered on a on a in a deep on a deeper level is that i was not giving enough love to myself i was not giving enough love to others and i was not receiving enough love i was compromising that and because i thought that was the way to be on Earth. and that is an illusion of course and that's a big mistake I thought I had to be, you know, a tough guy and all that. So I was withholding a lot of love and, you know, receiving, sending, and giving it to myself. I wasn't doing that enough. And that's why my, my coronary artery was blocked, blocked, clogged, you know. And that's, I discovered that. And so I discovered that myself. And as soon as I discovered that, I knew what I needed to do. So I changed my whole life. You know, I, I I changed my whole life because of that. It was a big transformation, and I, I I I only started to do what I really loved to do. And so I sold my company, I got divorced again, and you know I I needed to choose a path, the path, the complete path without any compromise, so that this wouldn't happen anymore. And then of course my life was blooming in a different way. And, uh, you know, the love essence of the butterfly, right? Very different than being a caterpillar, right? And but I feel it's a, te- it's, a co- it's, it's a perpetual transformation I'm going through. Because I see it's never ending, you know, this transformation of loving growth that we can uh, realize. Uh, uh, for me, it's never ending. I'm never done. But it's a lovely journey. For
0: me. Well, I'm happy that you were able to have that epiphany about that and that um, you looked at that in a new light such that you could actually change your whole, who whoever villain was, right? It's like a complete transformation. And you quote a philosopher, Emmanuel Nutt, uh, enlightenment is human's emergence from his or her self-imposed image. And you said it. you have to have the courage to use your own understanding to therefore, and you call it the motto of enlightenment. How would you help the listeners out there today to be discerning and listen to this intuitive voice from within that's consistently giving them messages about what it is that they could do to make their life better?
1: Yes, well, you know, we are all diamonds in the raw, and we're, when we polish the diamond in the raw, we start to shine, and and then you discover who you really are, because uh, in in uh, you know on the e- e- on the ego level we are all uh, creating illusions of you know, of who we are, and but we are something much bigger that I'm discovering, and and then we are not the self-imposed, uh, you know identity that we, you know, we think that we are is, is falling away step by step and then we are not becoming naked then, no, we're becoming uh, really a really uh, bright light, you know, and then it's a the step-by-step process, isn't it? It's, it's rarely overnight and for me it's a very slow process, I tell you. And, and, and that's why I quoted this philosopher in my book because it, to me it's so a uh, very inspiring that we are much more than, uh, than we can see with the naked eye, so to speak.
0: Yeah, the image that we have of ourselves, I love what Ron and Mary used to say, um, and I think this is so poignant to mention this at this time. And they always used to say, and I know that you remember this, if there was a video camera following you all day long and or, the, or you were observing self, whatever you wanted, however you want to do it, would you like what you actually saw being played back at the end of the day? And I think for many people, you know, we would look at that video and we'd go, oh my gosh, you know, is that what I do? It's really not helping to serve me, right? (laughs) And, And I always love that analogy because if a video camera was following most people for a full day, 24 hours, there might not be very much of that footage that we would say, oh, wow, I'm really in service, not only to others, but to myself. Um, And it is a wake-up call uh, for us to make changes in our lives. And that leads me to the advice that you have to go to full purpose, step-by-step. What would you tell people? Because purpose is something, I used to teach a class in it. I see how important it is, is to understand your purpose. Um, how did you find your purpose and how would you tell others to find their purpose
1: well you know of course uh, there's the, the way I'm going to say it that we all heard it before I, uh, otherwise I don't think we're listening to the podcast <laughs> we didn't get that far usually um, but it is really true what Shakespeare said you know to thine own self be true and, and that's, that's just what it is it's not something that it's original what I'm saying it's something that William Shakespeare said 500 something years ago, and you know, almost 500 years ago. And and those things are universal. this timeless, you know, when you are true to yourself, that means to your heart. I think then we can really grow, at, you know, um, with love. You know, I have all these exercises that learn daily, daily exercises of being grateful for everything, including the things that. I usually took for granted, and I, what I learned in the, with the adversity that I the adversity that I had in my life is not not to take anything for granted, and all the beautiful things are the little miracles that happen all day. There could be uh, drinking a cup of coffee, you know, and uh, anything. Um, and and the more grateful I am, the more beauty I see around me, and that is love, you know, and that is not that I'm. I, I'm not a saint, you know, like that. I'm not a perfect being, but I'm, I'm. I see that I'm waking up, and I want to share that with other people in my book too. And that, that it's possible. And and for me, it's more possible than I ever dreamt. And and that's that's for everyone the same. We're all the same in that. We all have the same opportunities in that level on that level. And it's, as as long as we are loyal to ourselves and to our soul, that. I Ron and Mary Holmick write in their book, lot of People Told. Uh, I love that title. And so I call it Mission Possible. It's our mission possible. It's a reality that we can we can really grow that way. And it's, it's there are a lot of small steps to take. And they're beautiful.
0: Yes. Yes. And, and you know, um, you have daily practices for physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual fitness. And they're in the book. Um, and I think it's really important. And I was hoping that you could, if you would, for the people that are listening, what are just a few of those practices, maybe one or two from the physical, emotional, and mental and spiritual fitness area that you practice or use every day that you'd want to share with our listeners um, so that they could put those into their life as well?
1: Okay. Yeah, on the physical level, it means that we take care of ourselves, of course, and also we, we stay fit enough. But it also takes care of personal hygiene, you know, and, and fitness, where we, we take our, uh, at least a uh, walk around the block, you know, and do some uh, yoga stretching, you know, that's the minimum. On the mental level, uh, it's, it's, it's also to think about your thoughts so that you are become more aware of what you're thinking. So when you change your thinking, into something positive uh, reframing things you know you you call something a curse see it as an opportunity as a blessing in this guise that you can learn and and the daily gratitude that i have i think it's mental then on the on the emotional level the same thing it's it's a path of growing up where we 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 don't we, we we look at emotional things as as something grow up for Um, you know we can be childish and throw a a tantrum but that that uh, as we know doesn't bring us far yeah it brought us far maybe as a child but it's counter um, effective and so i just want to be brief for the time sake and then of course uh, you know there's so much we can do with emotions you can reform them reshape them as, as soon as we become more aware of those, then, then we start to see how we can change, mold those emotions into something positive, in something, you know, when it's a negative emotion. So we don't, we don't, we're not on a roller coaster all the time. We get more, get more equanimity. And that will also be possible with meditation, It's is spiritual. And we go into the daily silence. We, we take care of all those things, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. The spiritual will also serve the other. Um, And to me, that is, uh, spiritual is such a a loaded word. But if you just go into the silence simply and you have good meditation practice, there are many available. Then uh, I always say, do a proven meditation technique, straight from the source, not something that's derived from a book. No, you, you know, when you can read it, you can learn meditation from the masters and, and their teachers then, uh, you, you know, you don't waste time meditating because you can, you can waste time meditating too. Uh, I don't want the listeners to, uh, I don't want to encourage the listeners here to do that. Do something that's substantial, and that will, you will see the difference. You will uh, notice what's going on uh, with your consciousness, it's growing and, and everything is growing then. So that's the real basis of everything, I think. Meditation.
0: Well, you've definitely, throughout this book, told your story and then weaved in practices that you're, you're currently using, no matter where you learned them, whether it was USM. And it's always um, just a blessing to hear somebody else's story and where they're coming from. And I think for our listeners, um, whether you pick this book up for um, actually understanding more about Wilhelm's story, uh, the pains and the pleasures, or you pick the book up for the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual fitness practices. The reality is, is that your story and Wilhelm's story have much in common. And and the key is, is the learnings we can have from one another by sharing our stories. And I think that's what Wilhelm does uh, wonderfully in the book, is share his story and at the same time uh, teach you about how to change your story the way he changed his story. Um, Wilhelm, I want to thank you for being on Inside Personal Growth, sharing some of your insights and wisdom uh, with our listeners today. And for those of you listening, um, you can learn more about Wilhelm. It's uh, very easy. It's W i l l e m v a n e s c h dot n i. He's in the Netherlands.
1: Oh, it's dot
0: com, uh, dot .com. Oh, dot .com. Okay. Well, you can get there at dot .com as well, or you can get there there. Uh, also, you'll find out information about this book that we've just done there. Um, he has a blog in English and in Dutch for any of the people that are listening from there as well. Um, but there is his um there is where you can reach him. You also can email him from there and contact him. But I do encourage you to reach out, communicate, watch his video, The story of Wilhelm van Esch. It's a very, very good video that he's created there, and we'll put a link to that as well. Wilhelm, thanks so much for your time with us today and, uh, imparting your insight and wisdom, uh, any last words of wisdom you'd want to share with our listeners?
1: Well, thank you very much, Greg. I want to thank you and that you make this all possible. You know, for people to uh, listen, and um, you know, the, yeah, the thing is, it, it it's love. You know, and we can love each other and accept each other who how we are. You know, uh, life will be much more gentle. You know, no more judgment. It's all in the book, and I'm so enthusiastic about this, this subject <laughs> that I can, I can hard curb my enthusiasm and I hope you, you people will also love the, the, you know, have this enthusiasm. <laughs> uh, I'm sure
0: that they will, and I'm sure that they'll get the book and we'll put a link to the book on Amazon as well through the blog entry, uh, so that they can go and get a copy of the book. Bill yeah. Helms, uh, it, it's been a truly an honor to speak with you today. Um, namaste to you and blessings to you as you go along your path
1: namaste Greg thank you